be like T-ball pretty soon. Hutchin and a ground ball to third, breaking for the plate, the throw, and they got him. No, he called him safe. He called him safe. Unbelievable. That is remarkable. That is unbelievable. The throw beat him by a mile. Live. Did he get him? Oh, he tapped oh. In the entertainment capital of the world, it isn't. The runner goes halfway. Oh. Somebody thought it was on. His Torres had to scoop it in. Doesn't get it. And Ty Wigginton, oh, he made, he bumped him, and he's gone. It's the T.C. Martin Show. And Wigginton is furious. Diagnosis. The 3-2 pitch. Prognosis. Outside ball for Cross strike three. Osmosis. Cross strike three. I didn't think that Marty Foster was going to ring it up. The doctor, T.C. Martin. No, my goodness no. gracious. No, no, no. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. The doctor is now in. Get your money's worth. Oh, get your money's worth. Get your popcorn ready. Yes. Another dynamite doubleheader coming your way today. Major League Baseball moments away from game number five between the Astros and the Red Sox. Oh, what a game last night, huh? How about that? A seven-run, ninth inning, all with two outs. The Astros tie the series up two games apiece. Fenway Park, Boston, game number five, getting ready to start. Chris Sale back on the mound for the Red Sox. Framber Valdez, the rematch of game number one, which I saw in person on Friday night. We'll see if uh, the pitchers can last a little bit longer than they've lasted Friday night or really for that matter, any point in time during this series. No one going beyond the third inning. All right, so we got that going on. And then tonight, uh, 5.08 first pitch, back at Chavez Ravine. Uh, Dodger Stadium, empty right now. Probably empty at 5.08 too. Then people start pouring in about 5.27. And then by the time the sun goes down and 7.47 p.m., Half the stadium will be gone, no matter what the score is. Because that's what they do at Dodger Stadium. That's what they've always done. Dodgers-Braves, game number four there. And the Dodgers trail this series two games to one. They got a come-from-behind victory with uh, Cody Bellinger stepping up big time with a three-run bomb uh, yesterday. And the Dodgers get that victory. So another uh, you know, 3-2 game in favor of Atlanta in game one. Then we got, what, you know, 5-4 in game number two, and then 6-5 last night, and the Dodgers get that victory. So three one-run games, very exciting. And even though the Astros and the Red Sox haven't really given us one-run games, haven't given us any one-run games, given us a couple blowout games, still very, very exciting because you got so much offense in that series. So looking forward to that. So we've got baseball happening today. We'll keep a close eye on that. Look forward to to that as well, too. We're going to go across the pond. Coming up a little bit later this hour, Paul Buckpower Stewart. Yes, one of our favorites. Our listeners' favorites. They love hearing from Buckpower. All the way from London, England. The voice of the National Football League in London. And of course, Buckpower stands for the Buccaneers. Whatever he does over there. I mean, webs, he's, got his, he's got the website. Covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, 6,000 miles away, whatever. And uh, so Paul Buck Powers, too, are always fun having him on. So we will talk to him approximately about 10.30 p.m. his time there in jolly old England. And we'll get his thoughts about the last two weeks where the NFL played in London. And uh, we'll get his thoughts regarding that. And how about those matchups? You know, I, I talk about it every year. I mean, Thursday Night Football usually is dreadful. And the games in London are so dreadful as well, too. And what do you end up with this year? The Atlanta Falcons and the New York slash New Jersey Jets. And then you had last week the Miami Dolphins and the winless Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, winless before that because they finally got a victory. Urban Meyer, very happy about that. So there you go. So, yeah, we'll talk to him regarding the NFL in England. Talk all about that with Paul Buck Power Stewart. The big seven-footer will join us next hour. Hang tight for that. Yes, the NBA is back. That means the seven-footer is back with us on a regular basis. Last night, the Golden State Warriors defeat the Los Angeles Lakers 121-114. Big upset. 
not only were the Warriors an underdog, but still playing without Clay Thompson. Steph Curry did not have a fantastic shooting night, but come into the third quarter, fourth quarter, it was a Steph Curry show, and uh, they got some other big uh, contributors as well, including Andrew Wiggins, and they won by seven points, and it was the debut of Russell Westbrook last night for the Lakers, a disappointing debut, and you know what Russell Westbrook had last night? You know, everyone talks about, you know, the triple doubles. Well, actually, Russell Westbrook had the quadruple single last night. Yes. Eight points, five rebounds, four assists, and four turnovers. Not a very good night. I guess, you know, if you're a Laker fan, you should be used to this because LeBron James, when he had his debut with the Lakers several years ago, opening night, loser. Anthony Davis had his opening night last year, loser. Russell Westbrook joins the fray, loser. I don't know what that is. LeBron James said, eh, don't worry about it. He's laughing about it. He's on his phone in the locker room. Westbrook all torn up about it. LeBron says, go uh, go watch a comedy. So you should do. Yeah, breaking news. I don't know if you know about this. Speaking of comedies, and I know Frank will... Frank is, is going to jump in. You know what I'm talking about. History of the World Part 2 is it's coming back. Now, is this actually a movie or is it a series? I'm getting conflicting reports. It's a series. All right. There you go. Bring back the piss boy. That's right. Numbchuck knew where I was going with that. All right. Yeah. Need more information about this. Because, uh, of course, my, my daughter clued me in on this the other day. She's very, very excited. Yes. How many parents do you know? They have their, like, say, four, five, six-year-old daughters. And, hey, sit down with me, uh, honey. We're going to watch Mel Brooks and History of the World. We're going to watch that. Yeah. Yeah, what? My daughter watched that at a very young age. Yeah, she loved it because she loved history. There you go. Mel Brooks classic. Blazing Saddles, History of the World, Spaceballs. It goes on and on. <laughs> one of the classics. One of the best. Yes. I don't know why I went there with that. Oh, because LeBron James told Russell Westbrook to go watch some comedies. All right. I'll tell you who's watching some comedies and uh, plenty of sports is our good friend, my tag team partner, Ballpark Frank, who joins us right now from the comfort of his own home. That's right. Not the hospital, but he's been back home now for nearly a week. And uh, Ballpark, what's going on, my man? Oh, like you said, I'm just kind of kicking back, uh, watching my big screen here, uh, getting ready for the Astros and the Red Sox game. Uh, the pregame is going on right now. Last night I was watching a little bit of hockey, a little bit of basketball, a little bit of baseball. You know, there was no football on, but I still had enough. Uh, probably going to have carpal tunnel by the time I get back <laughs> from the channel surfing I'm doing. There you go. All right. And how many trips are you actually making over to the kitchen or the refrigerator, or do you have uh, you know, some of Nunchuck's valets servicing you? Uh, not really that many because right now, like I told you before, most food doesn't taste that great yeah. to me, and, and liquids don't. I still don't drink sodas, but uh, drink a lot of water, you know, so uh, that's good. And, you know, just uh, kind of doing what I need to do around here, just uh, chilling, waiting for next week's uh, second round of chemo to take place. And uh, I still have to set up a couple other things, too. I need a PET scan, which I didn't even know exactly what that was. I heard of a CAT scan, but I apparently have to get one of those before I get my next round of chemo. chemo. Basically checks you out from head to uh, head to toe or something like that to make sure that there's no other problems with your tumors or cancer or something like that. So, but uh, I think it'll probably turn out all right. Well, we hope so, my friend. And uh, again, lots of thoughts and uh, prayers going your way. The good news is that you are back home. You're resting comfortably. You sound good. And uh, I know people, you know, want to get an update with you, how you're doing, how you're feeling, what you're going through, and everything. So. Uh, appreciate uh, that update. Yes, you know, another round of chemo starting uh, next week, and that's kind of like a a week on and a week off, right? Pretty much. Yeah, well, it's it, it's a week on, then it's two weeks off. But uh, yeah, so it's five straight days of it, which I had a little bit of a hard time even figuring out how to do it because uh, the, to do it as an outpatient, then I open Saturday, Sunday, so they actually postponed it a little bit to get all the paperwork and everything in, but. Uh, yeah, next Monday through Friday, I will be uh, going to the uh, to the place and getting the chemotherapy and, you know, 
the first one wasn't too awfully bad outside of being a little bit fatigued and losing my hair, which, uh, believe it or not, TC, you now have the most hair in the studio, even <laughs> if I was there right now. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, hopefully hopefully round two isn't any worse than round one was. So I don't have any more hair to lose unless I lose it off my chest and my eyebrows. <laughs> Let's, I, I don't need a visual of that. I, I barely need the visual of you with no hair. I still can't envision you without any hair whatsoever because I always gave Frank such a bad time. Ever since I met him, I said, how is it that you get to keep all your hair? All right, and not that you're much older than me, but you are older than me. I'm saying this guy has has got all of his, you know, follicle uh, presence there, and I uh, was always wildly jealous with that. But I still got a feeling that your hair is going to grow back. It's going to be fine, and uh, you're gonna you're gonna surpass all of us here at the station, in the studio. You know, not before long. You know, it's just like you waiting for a pit stop. You know, like we're watching the Indy 500, Daytona 500, or something like that. You know, and you go in for a pit stop, and next thing you know, well. You know, you're going to lap us again. I, I got that feeling it's going to happen. So I hope well, so. Well, it's for possible. You. Yeah. When, when it does start growing back, my plan right now is to maybe never cut it again as long as I live because uh, I keep on having, you know, you hear about people having fantasy itches or something from something that's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. I keep on taking my hand back like I got to brush the hair out of my eyes and it's like, oh, that's right. There's nothing there anymore. <laughs> it, 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 it's quite disconcerting. And I thought I might be getting used to it by now, but uh, still not really that much. I'm, Looking at my wall here in the in my house, and uh, I see a picture of Jerry Tarkanian with his towel, and I'm like, oh, I got something in common with him now. Uh, I also am bald, just like Tark was, and like you guys in the studio are. Oh, ooh, ooh. okay. So maybe, yeah, maybe go ahead and get yourself a little towel. Get something to bite on while you're watching these uh, these baseball games and, and football games. How's that? Well, see, I'm not like you. I don't have a dog in the fight. I just want exciting games, and certainly got those uh, the other night, like you mentioned. Uh, the Astros with those seven runs in the ninth, and boy, I I I sent, I sent you a text just before Peterson hit that three run <laughs> bomb, and they they had that big game, and I said they're already showing people losing leaving yeah. Dodger Stadium. It's a three run game in the seventh. It's like I just wonder how many of those people came back. I I had visions of the uh, the freeway there trying to get back into Chavez Ravine yeah. being like that heat game from years ago when people were pounding on the doors, and I'm right. like, sorry, you you, you left. Stay out. Get out of here. I mean, and it, it was like an afternoon game. What the hell are they doing? But that's just in their DNA, and it's always been that way. It doesn't matter if it's a day game, a regular season game, a postseason game. Again, you know, you, they arrive uh, late and they leave early. It just does not matter because in their mind, and truly, and people ask me that all the time, well, why is that? It is because of traffic. They, it doesn't matter what day or night or the importance of the game. I mean, you know, really, this was the most important game the Dodgers have of their entire season. Because if they don't win that game, I mean, you're down 3-0 to the Braves. You don't have home field advantage. It's over. It's done. They needed that game. And as a player and as a coach, I mean, you want the, the, your fans there to root you on. And you're right. I mean, they start bailing again. And we always see those scenes. And I've been in that parking lot, been in that little, little you know, um, you know, curve where it goes around and around. And it's so slow getting out of that parking lot. And it's, uh, it, it's torture getting in and torture getting out. And it's just like people are so fearful of that because not only once they get out of the stadium and make their way to the freeways, they've got, it doesn't matter where you live, it's an hour drive to get home. You know, it doesn't matter. And you got to remember in their mind thinking, oh, it's a two o'clock start. So if I get out of here, like maybe around 3.30 or 4 o'clock or 4.15, well, I'm probably still going to hit that five o'clock traffic, but maybe I could, I could beat it and get home 10 minutes earlier than I normally would. That is the mentality with Dodger fans. Yeah, I, I know it's always been that way. I just don't get it. I mean, you know, when I used to go to games and that, no, I'm not going to say that I've never left a game early in my life or something like that. If I had something else that I had to do in an appointment or something, but especially if it's your team and you paid money and it's the playoffs, are you kidding me? But they are what they are. They do what they do. I just thought it was kind of funny, but I I just laughed. It's like, you know, now back in our day too, when we were younger, you know, you always had your ticket stub. Now they do everything on the phone, but I'm wondering like, are these people still going to claim that? Oh yeah, I was at the game last night. Yeah, I was. Are, are they going to lie and say that they were there and they saw Peterson's bomb when they were sitting, like you said, trying to get out of the parking lot or already on the freeway? Because 
I know a lot of people aren't exactly totally honest. Remember when Will Chamberlain scored that 100-point game, and he said he probably met a million people that were at that game, even though it was in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and there was like, <laughs> what, like 8,000 or something? If that, yeah, right. No, you're right. You're absolutely correct. It's, and again, you know, once you leave, there is no reentry. I mean, it says it on every exit door, you know, when you leave, uh, you know, uh, a stadium or a building or arena. And uh, I know I, I, was, I was looking at that last weekend there in Houston. And again, I'm not leaving early. And I think I, I talked to you, you know, even though when the Astros were getting bombed in game two, people for the most part did not leave. There were some people left, but for the most part, people were still on their feet, you know, rallying, thinking, hey, the Astros are down four or five runs. They can still come back. They're staying on their feet. They're staying until the end. And, and that's great because you don't get that at Dodger Stadium. And there's a couple other stadiums around Major League Baseball that, you know, ha- have the same, you know, mindset the Dodger Stadium has. But Dodger Stadium definitely is, is famous or infamous, if you want to say, uh, for that, for leaving early. But, yeah, pretty, pretty pathetic. Uh, all right, man. And, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's funny, too, not to interrupt you, but yeah. I wanted to let you know, too, I was checking out a little bit of social media last night while I was watching some of the games, too, and I noticed our buddy Dave Koken, who, of course, is a big Red Sox fan, and he mentioned on Facebook that he said, you know, the Red Sox are 0-8 with runners in scoring position. That's got to come back and bite them. I don't think Dave was looking for a seven-run ninth <laughs> inning, but, boy, was he actually totally apropos on that. I was thinking – well, Dave, if your team lost, I hope you're at least doing a little bit of in-game wagering or something because he certainly called the shot on that one. But they waited to the last minute to do it. But when they did, it was bombs away from the Astrobats. Yeah, it was. And again, two out runs, too. Think about that. Seven yep. two-run outs and 36 two-out runs during this postseason. That's unheard of. No team in history of baseball is even close to that. 36 two-run outs during this postseason. And again, we're only a series and a half into this thing. Uh, it is it is totally amazing. So, uh, yeah, exciting baseball. You know, even though these scores are, you know, some of these games like the you know, Red Sox, you know, got out to, you know, big leads in, you know, these games, you just never think that a lead is safe especially with these bats that both uh, Boston and Houston have. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want any kind of reason why you don't leave a game early, especially in the playoffs, you don't have to look any farther than the last couple of games in both series. Mm-hmm. All right, Ballpark Franks join us from the comfort of his own home. Really glad that he could uh, you know, join us here, talk a little sports. And, you know, again, I was thinking about you over the weekend, of course, because the Bears played the Packers, and I know that – uh, you're probably taking a, uh, having a deep sigh right now because, again, the uh, result was very, very familiar to past results that we've seen with these two teams. And, you know, after the Raiders' victory that the Bears had here at Allegiant Stadium, I want to ask you, you know, were you feeling a little false sense of security, thinking, okay, you know, fields didn't look too bad and the Bears' defense really looked very good against the Raiders here in, in, uh, at Allegiant Stadium. Now they're going home. Facing the Packers, did you have that false sense of security? Or did you really have the feeling like, okay, well, hey, this is short-lived. We know it's coming because it's the Packers at Soldier Field. No, because I watched that Bears and Raiders game, and Carr missed a lot of passes in that game. I thought the Bears defense played well, but I didn't think that Rodgers and company were going to give them that same thing, that they weren't going to miss gimme passes. I also knew that they were had no depth at running back because – uh, their second string running back was also hurt. So, you know, not that they didn't have a decent game, but, uh, and I'm still not sold on fields. I still don't think he can read a defense that well at this point. He misses some open passes where he doesn't really lay the ball out and let the receiver get it. He throws it too hard. He might be a good, a good quarterback sometime. And the Packers, they struggled the week before, but I thought that was kind of a look ahead for them and that they, they were going to be ready for the Bears like they always are. The Bears fans, you know, flipping Rodgers the double bird and them him saying, I still own you and that kind of stuff. I just can't stand that guy so friggin' much, but it's probably because I love the Bears so much, or maybe I just love watching the Packers lose even more. But, no, I had no false sense of security. I would not have bet that game. If I would have bet that game and you put a gun to my head, I would have said take the Packers and lay the points because I, I didn't think the Bears were ready. I still don't think the Bears are ready to beat them. It's a bad division. I'm just hoping somebody else in the NFC can beat them along the line because 
please don't let me survive all this crap to see the Packers win a Super Bowl. <laughs> there, there is the uh, the fan, the Bears fan, Ballpark Frank, speaking on on that matter here. And again, yeah, it was. And you with Bears fans, I know that they're passionate and they're excited. And but then when the Packers come to town, they want to beat the Packers. But deep down inside, you you gotta feel that okay. Here we go again, especially when Favre was quarterbacking them and Rodgers quarterbacking them, and we know the history about the Bears have had whatever the stupid number is, 35, 36 quarterbacks to the Packers, two over the last you know 20-plus years. But you just got to feel that Bears fans deep down inside go into these games just knowing or thinking that the inevitable is going to happen. Well, I mean, that's certainly what I, what I went into this game with. What is Rodgers in that, like, 22-5 and five against him or something? It's yeah. like it's, it, it, it's a ridiculous amount. To, to me, it's actually almost still kind of amazing that it's considered, you know, one of the greatest rivalries in football because when somebody owns another team that much, sometimes that rivalry is gone. But I guess it's like Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, since Harbaugh's been in Michigan, you know, uh, Ohio State has owned them. There is always that rivalry, and it means a lot to the Bears fans, but – yeah, I think a lot of Bears fans go there hoping that they can win, but not thinking they're going to win, not having any confidence they're going to win. And, you know, I've said it before, now that there's 17 games in the season, if the Bears go 2-15 and 15 and the two wins are against Green Bay, I'd still rather have that than losing to them every friggin' time. It, it drives me crazy, but it almost does seem inevitable. You know, they were competitive for a little while, but I just had a feeling that, you know, Unfortunately, reality is going to strike, and it struck once again. I hope that the day comes when it's not like that. I was hoping, you know, I mean, they got a couple sacks on on Rodgers early in the game, but they didn't hit him hard enough. They got to smack him in the mouth. They got to knock him out of the game. Get him out of there. (laughs) I know, and uh, that's the thing. With the Packers' offensive line, I mean, you can put pressure you know, on him, but the Bears didn't get to him. And again, it was a totally different-looking Bears defense than we saw the, the week before. You know, here at Allegiant Stadium against the Raiders. I mean, they just couldn't get to him. And again, you know, Rodgers did his thing. And whether you like it or not, like, hey, I own you or whatever. I mean, that 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 literally, you know, is the case here. Now, in going back to that, and you know, talking about this rivalry that you mentioned, you know, I mean, some fans and even players are really over the top with this rivalry on both sides. And some take it, you know, really to a bad level or a derogatory level, and others can view it as as good fun. Where do you stand on this? And again, I know, you know, you know, I get on you a lot, or a lot of people just like, okay, you're in the media, you should be objective and that sort of thing. But I get it, I get it. There's, there's, you know, you were you're a fan before you got in the media, and a lot of times in the media, you know, we've got to go ahead and we've got to, you know, really try to be as objective as we possibly can. But I'd just say from a bear stand, where do you stand when it comes to what's over the top and what is, okay, this is all fun and games? Well, I mean, I think it's fun and games when it's good-natured ribbing and that kind of stuff. I don't agree with, you know, people dumping beers on somebody or spitting on somebody or, you know, accosting them and trying to get them in a fight and all that kind of stuff. That's way over the top. Uh, you know, I mean – I like I said, I can't stand the Packers. It doesn't mean I don't respect them and appreciate what they've done. And again, you know, I always take solace and I've told you this before, you know, I mean, the Packers are only still in Green Bay because George Halas actually insisted on them keeping them in the league when other uh, Rooney and some of the other owners, Paul Brown, I believe, was one of them as well, that they wanted to cut out the small towns and get Green Bay out of there. And George Halas said, no, the Bears, you know, we need rivalries like the Bears and Packers, so they need to stay. So, in a way, the Bears kind of created their own monster that by, by not letting them get out of the league. But, but no, I mean, good-natured ribbing is fine. And, again, I don't like the Packers whatsoever. I can't stand them. You know that. But I've also told you ever since the first time we met, I love the Bears. I hate their front office. I mean, I put this on them. They haven't built a team good enough to beat Green Bay, and that's on the front office. The players on the field, I think, give everything they have. They're just not good enough. The Packers have a better team. They have a way better management um, organization. They put competitive teams out there every year, and the the Bears don't. Once in a while, it's like, what, maybe they're fighting to see if they can get a wild card or something like that? I mean, that's not good enough. That division's not that good. And that's one advantage that the Packers have over everybody in that division. The rest of those teams in that division, for the most part, are garbage. The Packers almost have a buy into the playoffs every year, and that also is sickening because 
I even wish Minnesota was better in Detroit. <laughs> I mean, what? Even with Barry Sanders, they couldn't win. You know, Wayne Fonts every year would start out with a terrible record and then win enough games at the end to, to save his job or whatever. But Green Bay is definitely the, the class of that division. I'm hoping that the Bears at some point get it together and figure out how to run a football team. But I'm certainly not going to hold my breath. All right. Yesterday, part of our terrible Tuesday, we talked about the Aaron Rodgers comments and I still own you and that sort of thing. Well, Olin Krutz, a guy you're very familiar with, the former uh, center for the Bears, who actually is a Hall of Fame uh, you know, nominee, uh, he was very outspoken. And here's his response to what Aaron Rodgers did. I like to punch him in his face. When you see that, that's your first reaction, right? Um, I don't care if you're right. I don't, you know, I don't care what his excuse is. That's just is your first reaction. To me, that's that's a lame excuse. At the podium, I saw some lady flick me off, and I blacked out. We all know this is the kind of guy you are. You know, competitive, and that's the way you feel. And you have won a lot of games here at Soldier Field. Uh, and you know, just because you're right, it doesn't make you right for doing it. All right, Olin Krutz, uh, one of the great centers for the Chicago Bears, still very passionate about his former team and this rivalry. No, you know, and, and I can see where he's coming from, and I kind of agree with him. I would add in I'd like to pick him up by his his little man bun and slap him <laughs> around a little bit or something. But, no, I mean, I can't stand the guy. I cannot stand Aaron Rodgers. I never will. And I know back when you were talking before, like, when number four was the quarterback, and you know I'm not going to say his name, but when he was the quarterback there, I couldn't stand him either. When there was talk of him coming to the Bears, I said at that point that, no, if he comes to the Bears, then I'm done with the Bears. You can't have that kind of disdain and almost hatred. I'm not going to say on a personal level because I don't know Aaron Rodgers. You do a little bit. But as a player in that, I, I can't understand. And that's why I couldn't understand Viking fans when he came there and he played for them. You've spent so many years despising the guy and wanting to punch him in the face, and then you're buying his jersey? I would rather lose with dignity than win with one of those two guys. So, when there was talk about Rodgers leaving the net, I don't want him on the Bears. I don't ever want him on the Bears. But um, do I respect what he does on the field? Sometimes. But I also hate the love affair with the announcers that they have with him. I truly think Chris Collinsworth wants to have his man-child. I really do. See, and, and here's the thing, though. When, okay, when you're talking about Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, and again, I, yeah, I do know both of the guys, and here's the thing. People that say that they hate Brett Favre or don't like Brett Favre, they're saying it in, in a form of jealousy, okay? Because there's nothing that you can dislike Brett Favre about because his personality is great, he's a great teammate, he's a great leader, he's just a fun, great guy to be around. 100% the opposite of Aaron Rodgers, where he's got issues, and that the, the issues that I have with him are solely, I shouldn't say solely, that's wrong, solely off the field, for some of the, the conduct that he has off the field, but just his demeanor on the field, the way he treats his own teammates, the way he has that me-first mentality, Brett Favre never had that. So Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers are completely opposite. So when I hear people say, well, I, I, I hate Brett Favre, I hate Aaron Rodgers, I can understand Rodgers, okay? But for Brett Favre, the only reason that people are saying that is because they are envious or jealous of his accomplishments because as a person, it, it, it's hard not to like him. Well, I don't like either one of them because of what they've done in a Packer uniform. Yeah, you, you don't like anybody successful. that's wearing green and gold. So, and again, as a fan, I can, right, right, I can no. understand that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. The, the one thing I will disagree with you slightly on is, and I know you know, I know you know number four, and you like him and your friends and all that kind of stuff. I, I would argue a little bit that I, I wouldn't like to. I'm, I'm glad that I'm not on this friend's list of pictures that he's texting me or something like that because uh, <laughs> we know how that can work out, you know. It's true. So, uh, yeah, right, 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 know, right, right, exactly. You, you know, little Brett in the frozen tundra, I don't need to see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ballpark, Frank. Uh, you sound great, man. Uh, again, we we need you back here. We want you back here. Uh, we look forward to having you back here, man. So. Uh, go through your rounds of chemo, and uh, when you're ready, like I said, we got the chair, we got the mic, and we got the headsets ready for you, brother. All right, yeah, well, you know, um, you know, like our buddy Sean Porter, you know, you don't win every round, but uh, I feel like I'm back in the good side on the judges' scorecard here, and I think I'm going to pull up this victory. Yeah, there's no doubt, no doubt. And again, I, I expect maybe a late-round knockout as well, too. There you go. If not uh, scorecards, it's a knockout. Uh, Victor is Victor, you know, uh, we'll get to Kenny Bayless or Joe, Joe Cortez to raise your hand and, you know, wrap, uh, strap the belt around you. How's that? 
Yeah, it sounds good. And uh, plus, I, plus I, I have to live long enough to uh, go to Blue Ribbon one more time. And uh, yes. and you still keep on telling me you're going to take me to Hank, so i got to check that out one of these I'm, days. So. I'm, 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 will, I'm willing to take you whenever yeah. uh, you are ready, my friend. That's it. Just not, That's it. Not not sure if we're going to make it to Froggies or not, but uh, I might even take a trip back to Chicago sometime when oh, I get out here because, uh, you know, looking to uh, – Looking to, uh, you know, pay back and thank some of the people that have reached out to me in person that, uh, you know, because the, the outpouring of support in that has been, uh, it's been, it's been awesome. And it's actually been a little bit humbling in that, right. but I would like to say right now to anybody that's reached out to me or said a prayer or, you know, said something on Facebook or text or anything else, uh, I truly do appreciate it. And it truly does mean a lot because it is part of the mental battle. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that that's made this war a, a little bit easier to deal with and, and and a little bit more, uh, like I say, heartwarming. So uh, it, it's nice to know that people out there really do give a damn and that they care. They do. You got a lot of friends. You got a lot of supporters out there, my friend. So uh, just like I said, stay positive. Keep on keeping on. And uh, it's great talking with you. All right, brother. Be yeah, good, perfect. man. Enjoy enjoy, uh, enjoy your television time, your sports time, and uh, and some comedies as well. And we'll talk to you real soon. Yeah, I will. And give my best to Buck Power and uh, the seven-footer as well when you have him on today. You got it, brother. All right. Appreciate you. There he is. All right. The ballpark Frank from the confines, the friendly confines at his uh, own home. All right, speaking of Paul Buck Power Stewart, he is going to join us next. And we come back, we've got an update from Fenway. This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless, and what I say you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com. Got the Major League Baseball doubleheader going on right now. The ALCS game number five. The Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park coming off that incredible game last night where the Astros score seven runs in the ninth inning, all two out runs to get the victory last night over the Red Sox. 9-2. Amazing game last night. And nine unanswered runs by the Houston Astros. So... The home run barrage continues as we get you updated. And in the so both teams go scoreless in the first inning, but Jordan Alvarez sees the first pitch from Chris Sale to start the top of the second. He goes yard opposite way over the green monster in left field, and the Astros have a one-nothing lead over the Red Sox here in game number five. So one-nothing right now. Boston batting in the bottom of the second. We'll keep you updated with that a little bit later on. Remember, you've got Dodgers and Braves happening tonight at Chavez Ravine. All right, it is time for us to go across the pond. Yes. You know, the pond, it's really not a pond. It's a pretty damn big ocean, I think, you know. But I guess across the pond, yeah, we use it. Paul Buckpower Stewart, our good friend. From England, the author, the man, BuckPower.com, covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and also the longtime voice of the National Football League for games in jolly old England and uh, one of our favorite guests here. Paul, what's going on, brother? Uh, very good afternoon, TC. And first of all, it was fantastic to hear Ballpark Frank uh, back uh, again. He might support a terrible team in the Bears, but it was superb to uh, hear him on air again. Did you recognize that uh, theme song that Numchuck gave you and as, as you made your way down the aisle? It was fantastic. It's nice to know he knows a bit of British culture. <laughs> so you understand, you know what that, that theme song was. Well, I recognized it. I recognized the music. I mean, I tend to listen to American things. You know I was born on the oh. wrong side of the Atlantic, TC. Yes, yes. Yeah, that was the actual uh, uh, entry song for the British Bulldogs. That was it right there. Two of your favorite wrestlers of all time, right? Oh, re- wrestling is a sport I know very little <laughs> about, unfortunately. That and basketball are two sports I don't really cover. If they pay me enough, I'll start watching it, TC. There you go. I'm not sure we can call wrestling a sport, though, can we? I mean, definitely nowadays. It's, it's, entertain- it's entertainment. It Same as allegedly what they put on in London the last two weeks for the NFL. Ooh, very nicely done. All right, well, let's go there with that, all right? London football. Two games, the last two weeks, we had the Atlanta Falcons and the New York slash New Jersey Jets, 
And then last week, we had the Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville winless going into that game, but they leave England with a W and Urban Meyer and company. Uh, There you go, Paul. So, you know, I've always talked about this element here about games in, in England, I guess, are okay. I mean, I'm not... I don't get up early, don't watch it, and the main reason why I don't is because the NFL does not give us the great matchups. They give us the lower-tier teams for these games. And as a guy who's called these games yourself there in England, and as a fan, uh, not only a fan of the Buccaneers, but the National Football League there, I mean, despite the lower-level teams that the NFL dishes off for these games, do the English fans mind or not? They do not care who plays TC. It is NFL football, regular season games, and you can put anyone in there, the games will sell out. It would be the same as if if they held a Premier League game, soccer game, at Allegiant Stadium. Every soccer fan in Nevada would go to the game, irrespective of playing, and they would wear their team shirts to show support for the Premier League. So the two NFL games in London the last two weeks, it didn't matter whether it was Falcons, Jets, or Jags, Dolphins. Everybody wore their jerseys no matter what team they supported. There were Raider fans there, Buccaneer fans, Cowboy fans, Patriot fans, everyone. Going Dating back, you'd have Marino shirts, Zach Thomas shirts, as well as current Dolphins, because people love the game. And that's what they're there. They're there to celebrate the game, irrespective of who's playing. When you look at the audience here, I mean, is it really a majority just true British fans who have born and raised and live there? Or is it maybe American transplants or a lot of uh, you know, military uh, Americans that attend these games? What is the, the percentage or how does that skew, Paul? All British it is this the nfl has become part of the british culture of all the sports that we can get from around the world i mean yes we've talked that premier league soccer is king and cricket and rugby but of all the other sports the nfl is the most popular and it's been over here now for 40 years everyone has their teams you know they're not going to go and change their teams no matter who you know who comes to london so people love the game and then when to start with we had exhibition games in the late 80s early 90s then we started getting regular season games in 07 and really it's taken off from there so I don't agree that there were four games in London a couple of years ago I thought that was wrong and my view is there should be one game in London one game in Mexico City now the NFL announced two weeks ago they are looking to take a game to Germany possibly from next season Um, there are three potential cities they're looking at but that would be great because the Germans love their NFL football they really support NFL Europe when it happens and I think it's a case of you know if you can handle the travel then take teams over there for one game it's a little unfair on the home fans who lose a home game but it is about promoting the sport around the world so we know the games are, have been in London, and has there ever been any talk, or has there ever been any games in a different city in England? No, there haven't. Um, I mean, NFL Europe, we had there was a team, the London Monarchs, were obviously based in London. They tried going round to a couple of other cities, but that didn't work. But to be honest, the Monarchs were a bit of a joke by then. There was a team in Scotland, the Scottish Claymores, who played at the biggest rugby stadium, Murrayfield, and they would get 10,000 people at an 80,000 stadium. It was like watching the Chargers play in their last year in San Diego. So, it, you know, it didn't work. So to be honest... You know, if there's going to be a game, it's always going to be in London. The NFL signed an agreement with Tottenham to hold the games at their new stadium. They're one of the top Premier League clubs here in England. So that's really where it's always going to be. Now, as I said, I'm not sure which of the German cities is likely to get the game. But really, the view from across the Atlantic is is if it's not London, it's nowhere. I understand. Now, Paul Buckpower Stewart joins us from England talking about the NFL uh, in England there in the last two weeks. Like I said, we, uh, the Falcons and the Jets and then Miami and Jacksonville. And that's it pretty much uh, for the rest of this season. They're already looking at the schedule coming up for next year as well, too. And there could be, you know, like you said, maybe even uh, some expansion there. Um, I'm curious, too. So when you are in 2019, the Buccaneers, your Buccaneers actually played Carolina there. And how was that for you having your team there? 
Well, I was calling the game um, in the stadium doing the play-by-play, and I was so focused on doing that job properly and professionally, having been asked to do that, I really wasn't aware of the game going on and what the score was. And it's very strange. You know, and if you're doing a play-by-play on TV, you're very focused in the game and you know the situation. When you're just calling each individual play and listening, you're listening to the spotter call the numbers and you're translating it for the commentary for the people, you're not really aware of the game. So to be honest, when the game finished, I really had no idea what the score was. I was so focused on the play-by-play. I didn't enjoy it as a Buccaneer fan would because I was working, which is very strange, but that's what I was employed to do that day. Right, right. So we see a lot of the lower-tier teams, and we've talked about that before, but when you go back to the history here, have there been some teams that have not played in London? I mean, I'm trying to go back, and I'm trying to think if the Packers – came there. They, I think, they are the only ones. Yeah. The Packers are the only team that have never played an international that's series what, That's game. what I, I never remember them going back there. So then that got my, my mind going saying, okay, well, how many other teams have not been back there to play? And again, it's well, always think, these, the lower te- the lower tier teams because, like you said, you have to give up a home game, and you're not going to, you know, Jerry Jones doesn't want to give up a home game. You know, the Packers aren't going to give up a home game, and and again, you know, even like the Patriots, I mean, you're not going to see that either. No, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head, TC. Originally, the plan was going to be that it was going to be rotated around all the NFL teams that they would play, they would lose a home game and go to the international series. But the likes of Jerry Jones are very powerful in the NFL. And, you know, what they say goes, they carry more than just one vote out of 32. Again, if the Packers lose a home game, it would cause a riot up in Wisconsin. They're not going to do it. Whereas someone like the Jaguars, who haven't been that successful, they don't have a loyal fan base, they were able to sell their souls to get to have that game in London and be financially rewarded for doing it. So that is why they signed a deal to play one of their games in London for X number of years. Now, the Rams actually tried to do that when they were in St. Louis, then found out their lease wouldn't allow it. So you're always going to see what I'd call the lesser teams. You're never going to see a sort of Dallas-Washington matchup in London, for example. You're never going to see probably a, you know, a, a Raiders... I'm trying to think Raiders-San Diego, Raiders-Bears type match. Raiders-Chiefs, yeah. Chiefs are not going to give up a home game. It's not going to happen. So because they know the British are going to go and watch the game no matter who's playing. So I think, yes, the the very first exhibition game that was played in 86 were the Super Bowl champion Bears playing the Cowboys because I was there and I I called that game. So that was all about bringing the big names over to see how it would work. Now they know whoever they send will go, so it doesn't matter they take anybody because all the British fans will come out of the weeds to watch whoever's there. What is the biggest difference in crowd reaction during a football game, an NFL game there in London compared to the U.S.? I mean, again... There's no no home team support, TC. Okay. So whereas... If the Raiders are driving, the crowd goes quiet so you can hear David Carr call the signals. If the Raiders are on defense, everybody's getting loud trying to cause disruption for the opposing quarterback. You watch a game in London and all people want to see is entertaining football. So there's no huge crowd noise. There's no home support. Every touchdown is cheered. Every big play is cheered, whether it's offense or defense, because... There's no real pass fans to support. I mean, yes, the Dolphins would have had probably a couple of thousand fans there because Miami is quite a popular team because people have been on vacation. They've come back supporting Miami. So they would have a bit more of a cheer, but nothing like you see in your home games. You know, it, there's no home support at all. But is the crowd boisterous the way they are during a soccer match where they're singing and they're chanting and that sort of thing or is that void in an NFL game there no not really because again even in Premier League if you have a 50,000 capacity 45,000 will be for the home team 5,000 for the away fans so there's a very much a part of the you are you know there's a very much pass and support you've got so many neutral fans at the London Games, that there's nothing, there's no one getting together to try that. Now, when the Bucks came over in 09, and I was involved in this, we, you know, we put 
Buccaneer flags out on all the chairs. We were trying to create the impression the Bucks were the home game, but they were playing New England and Tom Brady. So everyone wanted to see they knew the Patriots were going to win. So all those flags just got put in people's bags and taken over souvenirs. <laughs> Paul Buckpower Stewart joins us from England, talking about the NFL in England. Of course, Paul has a great website there at buckpower.com, covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, covered him here in the States, covered him there in England as well, too. All right, so tailgating. Is there much tailgating when you go to these games in England, Paul? And I want to know, what is the food fair if they do tailgate? Do they understand what tailgating is? And is that kind of a, a thing for soccer matches there? Okay, yes, we do know what tailgating is. The the game at Tottenham, there is nothing in the area around it where you could tailgate. It's right in the middle of a really built-up area because Tottenham, the football team, Tottenham's an area of London, so the, the, the city sort of grew up around it. So they put the new stadium in next to where the old one was, but there's no real car parking. You have to use public transport to get there. So people aren't going to wheel barbecues and, and crates <laughs> of beer on the London Underground to go and drink drink at a game like that and even when they had a game at Wembley and there was some parking you didn't really have fan tailgates there was an NFL type tailgate experience where you could buy merchandise and and, I mean I spoke at it you know I I did a brief presentation with some of the Bucks officials there but no so there's no tailgating at those games now four weeks from now I'm coming out of Florida because I can finally travel and I'm going to be going to a big Buccaneer tailgate and that's part of the experience for me is going but no we don't don't have it over here simply because the infrastructure isn't there to do it. Yeah. You know, I saw a very cool video of the uh, transformation of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium going from football or soccer to the NFL game, you know, last week. And I thought that was pretty cool. But that is not an an easy undertaking, is it? Because, again, you're, you're moving stands, you're you're getting a whole new pitch out there and everything. Like that. Talk a little bit about that. Have you ever witnessed anything like that as you got ready? you know for these games here and broadcasting them that was the, they're the that's the first British stadium that's had that facility put in where you can you bring like a different field in on a tray right. you know to go above the grass um, and, you know, all the grass goes above it. Now, I think the Arizona Cardinals Stadium has something similar where the right. grass stays outside in the sunlight. And, and the Raiders and have that now here too, Paul. The Raiders actually have that. Yeah, it into the yeah. stadium for the game. Yeah. So, it's you know, that's how technology has changed. You know, you can think back to the original Astrodome. They put grass in there the first year. It okay. all died. So they had to create AstroTurf. So, yes, Tottenham is the only stadium that has that. Um, it is primarily, obviously, a soccer stadium because Tottenham are going to play sort of 25 to 30 home games there a year in different competitions as well as the Premier League. But yes, they can transform it for the NFL and then they can have concerts on a AstroTurf type field if they want to bring that in without damaging the grass. But it is very, you know, it's a real cutting edge technology. What is the reality of London getting an NFL team from your perspective or people's perspective there? It's, well, I mean, it's certainly show it's never, ever, ever going to happen because of the travel issues. Yep. And just out of interest, every NFL team normally has a bye week straight after because it is such a strain on, on the players and the officials. Miami this week are going to try and play without that bye week. And I think, I mean, Miami is struggling anyway. I think you will see the real effect. People over here, this, I think the last couple of years, people have begun to accept yeah, you know, it's never going to happen. They've come to that realism. I know when I've been presenting on British TV, I've almost had to take the view of, wouldn't it be fantastic? The minute the we go to a commercial break, I'm saying things like, yeah, come on, guys, I know it's not going to happen, and it won't. So there will never be a London NFL team at any time until Concord 2 is created and we can cross the Atlantic in two hours. How aggressive have ownership groups been to try to obtain an NFL team whether it's an None expansion or whether it's a relocation. Not at all? Okay, there are not- No, I think... I think even if that'd be one of the reasons why, even if they got an NFL team, there would be no what I call British group interested in purchasing. We've just had one of the Premier League taken t- teams, Newcastle, taken over by a Saudi um, corporation, and because of all the human rights issues in Saudi Arabia, that's become a massive thing over here in the in the British press this week. So no, there's no there's no group of people wanting to buy an NFL team for London in the same way as if an NFL team went up for sale somewhere in America, there'd immediately be a whole bunch of groups waiting waiting to come in and step in. So, I mean, you've, yes, you have 
British owners. So you have Shard Khan, who's owner of the Jaguars, who owns Fulham, who are a, a second-level team. You've obviously got the Glazer family who own Manchester United and the Buccaneers. And there's some cross-ownership with other teams. Um, but really, no, there's no ownership group waiting for a team here saying we'll throw X amount of dollars at it if it happens. All right. How closely is anyone watching the Major League Baseball postseason there? <laughs> well, my interest finished um, when that ball got kicked over the uh, short fence <laughs> by that Red Sox player a few weeks ago. Or as, as a friend of mine said, the Rays had a bad week to have a bad week. Yeah. So, yes, my team, the Tampa Rays, we won 100 games. It didn't happen for us in the playoffs. So, yes, people are watching the baseball playoffs because people love baseball. There are enough people beating their trash cans over the Astros Red Sox series because that's going to be a big thing. And I can see by the look on Numchuk's face that that's gone to his sense of humour. I think really, TC, um, people are going to have their baseball teams they support. There are Red Sox fans, there are Astro fans, there are Dodger fans, there are Braves fans. And there are fans of other teams who are looking forward to the World Series. Now, I will watch each game of the World Series morning because of the time you know the time it starts without knowing the score and i just want to see good baseball and if it goes seven games fantastic and that's the thing i mean you know they're used to football there they're used to basketball there but with baseball i just didn't really know how into it they were because again there are no major league baseball teams i mean it's not like you have a whole bunch of little leagues and that sort of thing and on high school and college programs do you i mean or is baseball becoming popular there well, baseball has always been popular over here. We had two games in London in 18 and 19. The Yankees and Red Sox yeah. came over. Um, I didn't get involved in commentation on that one. But there's been a British league for over 100 years. And even I played in the British Baseball League for 14 seasons. I've actually played baseball for Great Britain. Although if I threw my fastball down the interstate, I would not get a ticket for speeding. Um, <laughs> baseball has been big. You know, and, and, and again, people love the sport. You know, we had a lot of Americans played. I mean, I used to play against a guy who, who'd been at, who'd been at AAA and then went into the American Air Force and played on a base team. Um, it is a popular sport. There are around about 150 teams in the UK. There is youth baseball, you know, and kids baseball, not at a very high level. But no, again, it's a sport people love, just the same as people love basketball over here and people love hockey as well. All right. He is Paul Buckpower, Stewart. Great insight to what is happening over there in England. We appreciate it. And again, Paul's co uh, covered the NFL and called games, uh, the NFL in Europe and of course the NFL uh, games there during the course of the past few seasons as well too. So uh, always great stuff, my friend. Fantastic stuff. And uh, we no, appreciate it's you. Interesting. I mean, something about the Jaguars finally ending their 20-game losing streak, I was really pleased they did because the Buccaneers have the all-time record at 26 games to start their history. And my latest podcast features that game where they broke the streak, where they beat the New Orleans Saints. Archie Manning was the quarterback, said it would be a disgrace to lose to a winless team. And I've gone back and played all the clips and I've done that game. And I want the Buccaneers to keep that record, even though it's a terrible one. It's part of Buccaneer history. So I was very glad the Jaguars won. I mean, it was nothing to make a song a dance about, or in Urban Meyer's case, a dance. But it was quite a celebration for the Jaguar fans to finally win a game. All right. He has a fantastic website check it out buckpower.com chronicling the tampa bay buccaneers he's got this date in history all this other great stuff so go check it out at buckpower.com paul great stuff brother we'll talk to you soon it's been a pleasure all the very best guys you got it there he is all right ballpark frank says hello and appreciate his thoughts uh, there paul right back at him and uh, coming up next hour we talk NBA season openers, the Bucks victorious last night, the Warriors victorious, and the guy who's there in the Bay Area, Big Bill Cartwright, joins us next.